Starting, scaling, and exiting a business is hard. So why do some companies achieve seven, eight, and nine-figure exits? To answer these questions, we sit down with top entrepreneurs who have exited for more than $10 million or currently run $10 million plus businesses and grill them until they share their proven tactics and strategies. Welcome to Beyond Eight Figures. More than $10 million or currently run businesses that generate more than $10 million annually. And we go deep in terms of figuring out the tools and strategies and shortcuts and tactics that, uh, that fuel their success. And wow, we, um, we came out of the gate strong. So by the time you hear this episode, uh, we'll have been, uh, shall we just say, uh, live for uh, probably a good couple months there. But what I will tell you is that uh, at this moment, as we're sitting here, we literally uh, just launched the show uh, about a week and a half ago. And so far, we've sat down with just incredible entrepreneurs, people like Naveen Jain, the billionaire, and Brian Smith, the founder of the billion-dollar brand Ugg, uh, Boots there, and Reed Tracy, president and CEO of Hay House. And uh, I mean, we've just we've been fortunate to attract some amazing guests to the show. And uh, today's guest is certainly going to be no exception here uh, in terms of being an amazing guest. But I, I will say this, which is you guys are loving on the show, uh, which is so incredibly appreciated and uh, over – I think at last count over 110 uh, raving reviews. Nice. Uh, in just the the first week, really, of being live, and uh, and That's we appreciate awesome. that. And I'll share a couple of those uh, here in just uh, in just a moment uh, as well, because we do want to recognize uh, those folks who did take the time to rate uh, and review and subscribe to the show. So if you have not yet rated and reviewed uh, and subscribed to the show, of course. We would love it if you did that through whatever your favorite platform is, whether that be Apple Podcasts uh, or Stitcher uh, or you name it. Uh, we'd be happy for you to take a look and uh, hopefully take a listen and like what you hear. And if you do, then rate and review and subscribe it. But we want you to be honest. You know, I, w- I will say uh, there have been a couple of, uh, of not five-star reviews, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. It just, what were they about? I, I didn't read them. I didn't care. Oh, no. <laughs> you you only ran focus, from them. You only focus on the good, Mary. No, you know. that's how you convert them into a five-star. Or or you grow and you evolve from those experiences. How about that, right? All right. Well, look, let's do this because uh, what, what I really want to make sure that we uh, have ample time for today is to be able to pick the brain of our incredible guest, uh, Colin Wayne. And, and, ta- and you know, in the intro there, we talk about uh, grilling the... The entrepreneurs until they share some of the secrets there to, the, to their success. And um, I don't think this guy's going to crack under pressure. Just a hunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, Wade, do we have, uh, we got Colin on right now. Colin, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Honored to be here. Yeah, man. Well, really appreciate you uh, deciding to join us here on Beyond Eight Figures. And we'll go into a whole bunch of detail. And I'll certainly, uh, well, you'll share and I'll share and Richie and Mario all share here in terms of why we don't think you're going to crack under pressure because obviously the background is going to tell folks a lot about that. But just uh, right out of the gate, can you share with us how you meet the criteria for joining us here on Beyond Eight Figures? Did you exit a business for more than $10 million or do you currently run a business that generates more than $10 million annually? I currently run a business that's generating well ex- exceeded $10 million plus. So what are you anticipating doing here in 2018, and what is the name of that business? Uh, 
So this year alone, which is actually our second two and a half years as an e-commerce brand, we'll do uh, over 30 million this year alone, annual revenue. Yeah. Um, the name of the business is Redline Steel. Mm-hmm. And, and we're a steel manufacturer. So we manufacture wall art decor. Yeah. So when you say steel, you're not talking about like I-beams and stuff like that. You're talking about having laser cut steel designs that are painted and like home decor and that sort of thing, correct? Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Really interesting business. So as we sit here today, you are 28. Is that correct? Or are you 29 now? Just turned 29 a few weeks ago. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I think Mary on the break was because we uh, we just had Chip Conley join us on uh, Reinvention Radio, which is the other show that we do there. And Chip Conley uh, was a founder of Joy de Vie, the hotel chain there and sold out and uh, made uh, a good ton of money. And we all looked at each other and we went, and now we got Colin Wayne coming on here on this show. What what are we doing with our lives, man? 20, <laughs> 28 going on 29. How on earth did you create a $30 million business at 29 years of age? Just take us take us through that a little bit. Well, originally, so I, I love marketing and branding and sales. So that's really my experience. Uh, manufacturing is something I had zero experience in prior to getting into involved with this business. Uh, initially, I wanted to uh, partner with a guy, and I owned a consulting firm. So we started to work together, and I liked the I liked his uh, I liked the market opportunity. I started to build out a business plan. And I saw a total blue ocean market strategy, and I knew that I could go to market and turn this into a billion-dollar company. Uh, I made him an offer, and I said that I wanted 51% of his company because I'm really big. If, if And I put very big terms on it. I said, if I don't do six times revenue of what you are doing, then I'll give you back your company 100%. I'll also finance it 100% to make sure that we can scale it to hit that specific number. And and I'll just amortize it, but I'll own the equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, he agreed, and the day we were supposed to sign, he backed out. So that shifted the business plan immediately. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, now this is a guy who knew manufacturing, knew the back end, knew the supply chain, and but I felt um, I felt as if it was a, I could take this to market very easy because I didn't see a lot of competitors doing this, and like, you know, I could turn this into something massive because one, my organic social following, and I'm sure we'll go into that in a minute, but also um, that there's just endless potential for your customer base because I could get into sports licensing. I could get into, you know, specific niches, no matter what it is. It could be, uh, you know, military patriotic apparel, you know, wall art decor could be more towards like a home decor, Mm -hmm. middle-aged women, you know, 40 to 65 plus. So hold on. So I just so, got to, I just got to stop you for one second here. So just so, just so I'm clear, Redline Steel, you started that from scratch after that deal fell apart or you did end yes. up going into the existing business? No, I, I started it from scratch. You started Zero, from scratch. Wow. Yeah, 100%. All right. So let, let's go through that. Okay. So you're in, and just so that we can kind of set the stage here a little bit more for folks. So you are, you do or you do not have a high school degree. I do. I've got a, at least a high school. I was I was a high school dropout, but I got my GED and joined the military. Okay. So I, do you I have? Do. And you don't have a college degree, correct? No, no degree in college. I went for a few semesters. It wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And so you went and you served in Afghanistan out of high school, uh, injured. Uh, well, pretty badly injured. So much so that uh, some shrapnel went through your leg and, and the whole nine. Right. So I mean, you were you were hurt pretty good there. On yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was medevac twice. Priority. I did about six months of physical therapy 
and uh, transitioned out of the military in 2013. So I did almost seven years. Wow. So seven years, and thank you for your service on that. Sorry to hear Beat about me to the, the punch. Yeah. Sorry about that, Mary. Sorry to hear about how all of that ended. Did you see? Did you see yourself as a lifelong military guy? I mean, was that was that the plan? Um, so I come from a long lineage. My brother, he's currently serving. Um, both of my grandparents served, and a couple of uncles served. So um, maybe not so much as a career, but I knew that I definitely was destined to at least join and experience it. Mm-hmm. I'm one that's really big with adventure. And so I actually did three tours. I did, my first tour was to Egypt, and then my second was to Iraq, and the third one was to Afghanistan. But what's interesting and what a lot of people don't know is that I volunteered for all of those deployments. Mm. I, was, I was like jumping from companies to different battalions so that I could go. And so while a lot of people were uh, just waiting to be called to go, I was constantly on the move to find what's next. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think that translates a lot to what we're doing yeah. here, even Redline. Yeah, and, and, and I just want to make sure I understand this. So you came out seven years in the military. You came out. You, have you always been wired as an entrepreneur? Did you, did you like, were, were you one of those guys? I mean, you grew up, what, in Alabama, right? So you grew up in the South. Is that, uh, that's correct? Yes. Yeah, yep, so, Alabama, Huntsville. All right, so you weren't picking up a shovel trying to, you know, uh, pick some, you know, move some snow out of driveways and sidewalks. But, uh, I mean, as a, were you doing other things as a kid? Were you always wired this way, man? Or is this just something where you came out and you were like, holy cow, I got I to gotta do something now to, to try to make a living? Yeah, no, I've, I think I've always been wired. You know, I was, you know, cutting grass for my neighbors to earn money. And uh, my dad uh, made me work at, like, I think around 15 years old. And that's the only way I could get a car was if I, one, paid for it, two, I kept up with the insurance. So I had to have a steady job. So I was, uh, I think I like, I worked at a grocery store for about a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just like traditional just <laughs> America, those, man. You yeah, just got to do what you got to do at the beginning. But I think entrepreneurship, it, it, it ran in my family. My dad owned his own company. Uh, my mom was a professional photographer, so she was at you know a 1099. She worked for herself, mm-hmm. um, so I was kind of surrounded by uh, by that, but on a smaller scale. Sure, you know nothing to this extent that I've uh, grown Redline into in such a short amount of time. Yeah. What do your folks and family think about it? I think they're they're definitely in shock. Very supportive. Um, my grandpa, he's more he's. Uh, not necessarily actively engaged with the business, but he's very uh, conservative to the sense that he, he fears that we're growing too fast. Mm. Um, but both of them, we've, I mean, both of my parents, I mean, they're very humbled and excited for what we're doing and they keep seeing it scale and evolve. And, you know, we're, we're, we just purchased a building. It's 110,000 square feet and 15.7 acres. Uh, we employ almost 60 employees now, so it's 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 scaled extremely fast mm-hmm. in the last two and a half three years. All right, let's. Uh, I want to get into a couple of those metrics there. So uh, let me just write some of this stuff down. But what, what I want to ask you uh, is, first and foremost, do you, how much of this success do you think is as a result of you know it's kind of a cart and a horse kind of thing here, right? Because you have a huge social media following. For those who don't know Colin Wayne, uh, let's just say the guy's in shape. Um, I think that's a Damn. fairly yeah. Well, there you go, Mary. Um, you, jeez, I mean, on the cover of like Men's Fitness, and you were a, a fitness model, and you got you know the the chiseled jawline 
bastard man that thing is like it's like you could it's like square it's like whatever you you are like what every guy aspires to be yeah it's like a double entendre red line steel i was like is that for his abs (laughs) (laughs) right just keep inspiring those men yeah right (laughs) so so you you did a lot of fitness modeling i mean we don't have to get into you know the whole workout routine that's that's irrelevant to this but you've been able to build up a, a huge following on social media and so in your mind were you thinking jiminy i've got this following how do i monetize it because there's a lot of folks that i know that have a million followers and can't fill a room of of 50 people they try to do a live event right i mean it's just like there's certain things that they're really good at and monetization isn't necessarily one of them is that where you were at was it was it kind of that scenario for you where it's just like i've got this big following and i'm making decent money as a fitness model, but I'm not really making real money here. What can I do? Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's pretty accurate. Um, I mean, I, I had multiple six figure contracts working as a fitness model. Uh, so basically it was a brand influencer before mm-hmm. now everybody and their mom's kind of an influencer to a degree, but this was, you got to think back in 2013, 2014, I was building this up and this was right before Facebook started having advertisements. So your algorithms, there were, they weren't in existence. So if somebody liked the page, it was very organic. So I started to grow my social media from, uh, zero to the day I started it 30 days later, we had over a hundred thousand followers. So I had no clue mm-hmm. what I was doing, mm-hmm. but it was working. And, um, and let's, I, let's, I want to throw up. some, I just want to throw some metrics around it today though. What, what, what's your Facebook page today? What's your Instagram today? And what's your Twitter today? Yeah. So Instagram is right at 500,000. Um, my Twitter's right at, I think 55 to 60,000. My Facebook's around 2.6 million. Yeah. Uh, but that's just under my brands uh, as Colin Wayne, but I also own other fitness pages. Mm. Uh, that are in excess of 7 million total. Wow. And so I use that as cross exposure. So when I post something, I can, you know, share it to those pages. So the reach is even higher. So let, let's be honest here, man, you could have done anything with that following. I mean, the natural next step for a guy like you would be fitness products, right? You could do fitness training, you could do, you know, sure. bo- you could do a box of the month, you could do, uh, you know, DVDs, you could do online trainings, programs, etc. You went in the direction that most people would tell you, you know, they'd they'd send you away screaming from yeah. going into the direction that you decided to go. How did you land on <laughs> on doing steel decor? Like, I mean, like, where did yeah. that come from? Well, I, I think the opportunity fell in my lap. Um, to be honest, I mean, it's I was working out at the gym with a good friend of mine, Colonel Neely, and um, he showed a piece of steel that he got for his son. And it was a, a baseball guy and it had his name engraved in it. And it was made through that local company I was going to try to partner with. And so I reached out initially because I wanted to be a customer. I love the product. And I, I have a son who's uh, eight years old, loves baseball. And I wanted to get him something. When I reached out, they said that they were backlogged about 10 to 12 weeks and that they would get back to me as soon as they could. And then about five minutes later, they reached back out and said, holy shit, it's Colin Wayne. I didn't realize it was you. I can get this for you done like this week. Mm. And so he ended the conversation by saying, I'd love to be at your level one day. And as soon as he said that, like without skipping a beat, I instinctively said, well, maybe I can get you to that level one day because uh, I've had success in a lot of things besides just fitness modeling or you know, making a good bit of money. And um, that's that's where it started from, man, was I was going to be a customer. I never saw necessarily opportunity until it presented itself. 
I saw that he's extremely backlogged. I love the piece and I'm hard to please. Hmm. Uh, I was willing to pay a premium because I love my son and I would do anything for him. And I couldn't get this anywhere else. So where else am I going to get it? And so the more that we started to develop and talk and build out a business plan, the more opportunity that I saw. And that's when I presented that partnership agreement. He accepted it. And then the day we were supposed to sign, he backed out. Uh, but it never stopped me, man. I, I went out the very next day, bought my first piece of equipment, and I had no place to put it. Like, I couldn't put this in my garage next to my Ferrari. Like, it's, this is, you know, a piece of equipment mm -hmm. that needs its own, uh, you know, zoned warehousing. It's got to have compressed air. It's got to have, you know, load, unload. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a big, it was a big step. And I, I will openly admit that I didn't know what I was expecting to get myself into, but I wasn't afraid to research and try to figure it out myself. And that's exactly what I did. Hey, Colin, this is Richie. Um, so I had a quick question. We, we often wonder, like, first hire or first partnership, what, what is the, the thing that, you know, took it to the next level? In this particular case, it sounded like you were about ready to take on this partnership. Was he just conservative like grandpa? Like, what was it that had him back out? Did he, I mean, obviously he knew what you were capable because it, yeah. it went from 8 to 12 weeks to, hey, we can get this done for you fast. So mm -hmm. what, what changed? So what changed is he wanted to offset. He didn't want to give up control of his company. He tried to renegotiate, and I don't do that. And so I, I'm very, very, we had an agreement. You know, this isn't going to be a good agreement if you're already backing out at the last minute. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know what I'm bringing to the table at the end of the day. Now, I didn't know, you know, home decor space, and I, don't, I had zero experience in manufacturing, but I know how to go to market with products. I'm very good at influence. I'm, I'm good at influencer marketing, but I'm, even better at just uh, e-commerce sales. I feel like if I could hold a product, get in front of a camera, I could sell just about anything, and I'm gonna sell a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And so just I don't wear a shirt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> every time it's gonna work. Mary, Mary just bought everything. You I am. Have, by I'm the already way. gonna buy a flag from you. I'm gonna. <laughs> if you just noticed a, sp a spike in, in in sales, that was Mary. She just bought everything you have. Perfect. Love it. So, all right, so the guy obviously backed out of the deal. Here you are. You like the industry. You think that there's a good opportunity for it. You go out and you buy this first piece of equipment. I mean, in terms of, because we're trying to get to the nuts and bolts of, of yeah. really how businesses start and scale and then potentially exit. And we'll get into that conversation here in a second. But from the starting perspective, you went out, you sourced this. It was a laser cut, some sort of laser cutting machine or something where you could take steel and then put it into some sort of form is that and you were just planning on doing this yourself i mean like what was the game plan and did you did you get any seed capital did you uh, yeah. from anyone else did you just self-finance this take us through the the embryonic stages here that's yeah, so great questions um i actually did something very unique um so startup costs you would think for a manufacturing company would be pretty expensive sure um i did not get any seed uh money i, I don't have any other investors or anything um, what I did was I reached out to another company and that company is called grunt style. They're one of the largest, um, military apparel companies in the, in the United States. And, um, I acquired a purchase order and that purchase order helped self fund, uh, my initial startup, at least about 40% of it. Hold so on, you got So you got to explain that. Yeah, so what when does you that say, mean? So when yeah. you say you acquired a purchase order, you mean you went yeah. to this company, you said, Hey, I really dig your right. work. I'm going into this business to do X. Will you yeah. order 50 things and keep them in stock and sell them? Or, or what, was that what went down? They ordered a few thousand. 
Um, but I sold, uh, so yes, basically I sent them samples. I had those samples made from another manufacturer. Um, and I sent them to them as if it was my own. Um, they placed mm-hmm. the initial, initial purchase order. They put like 20 or 30% down. Um, and that helps self-finance it a little bit, but that it took me two or three months just to figure out how to operate the table. Cause mm-hmm. I, th- you know, I had zero experience on how to run this machine. Like I'm telling you, like basic tool knowledge was next to nothing. Like a plus was not a Phillips. It's just a plus screwdriver. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when I say it's basic, I mean, it's bare basic. But that's a huge order. I mean, were you literally planning on just doing this yourself and fulfilling an order yeah. for two or 3,000 units? Um, I was going to, I mean, I put an ad on Indeed and got, you know, 15, 20 people that showed up to interview. Wow. So I wasn't too concerned about trying to find staff like general labor to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found that, um, and it was pretty easy to acquire, um, you know, employees, but it was, um, yeah, that was the intent, man. Was but how did you to- price it? Like, I mean, because at that point you, you're not in business, you don't yeah. really know what your costs are. You, you could have yeah. lost your entire, I mean, like, and you had worked pretty hard. Like you said, I mean, I've got, yeah. you know, these hundred thousand dollar plus contracts. You got the Ferrari sure. in the garage. I mean, this was like this was this was do or die here. If you priced that thing wrong, you, yeah. you'd have been out of business before you were in business. So how how did you do that? Well, I, I knew how I knew my cost of consumables. I knew how much my steel cost was, um, and I was going to deliver it myself. And so instead of LTL or freight to make sure it got there in one piece, I was going to deliver it to Chicago myself. Um, so you know, I already kind of knew what that cost of goods sold was. Um, mm. but at least I could project it out and and know that we would be you know. I mean, I think at that time we were probably around 20% cost of goods. So it left a high net margin. Yeah, that's a pretty solid margin. So yeah. playing this then through to the next phase here, you fulfill that order. You obviously have uh, really good salesman skills. I mean, you, you got this guy you know, to buy off on however many units there. Mm-hmm. What what was next? Did you then leverage your following? You created a particular piece and just put that up for sale and then had to, had to hire people on a more full-time basis. Like, I just want to try to understand how you went from, you know, just having this, uh, this one order to now building and scaling the business. Yeah. So that was, um, I started the company January of 2016. I ended up, uh, completing that purchase order probably within 90 so probably march april time frame we uh, we completed it 100 percent, delivered it to them um at that point i was already working on my website but it took actually a few months for me to build that up so we didn't launch our website until june 15th of 2016 so you know just over two two years ago two and a half years ago um in between the time i finished my purchase order i was just i was selling without a website. I was mm-hmm. doing PayPal invoices to organic following. And so we did, you know, decent money from it. It wasn't substantial. We didn't have, obviously we couldn't do any retargeting. We didn't have a website, so you can't do pixels. Um, we didn't have a way for them to opt in. So there's a lot of missed marketing opportunities at the very beginning until I launched my website. Um, the first few months was kind of a, a uh, not as much as what I expected. Um, it was enough to basically just pay the bills and not pay myself. Um, mm-hmm. so we, when we launched the website, we had probably three or four employees full time, um, doing, I'd say 50 to 60 orders per week, nothing substantial, but enough where it's like, uh, we're still learning, trying to 
auto, uh, not necessarily automate at this point, but um, work on uh, supply chain and, and try to work on getting our cost of goods uh, as low as possible so we can make more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then November came around in 2016, and I uh, decided to try Facebook marketing. So instead of trying the organic approach, I started to put ad money to Facebook, and it started to take off. And you know, I'd spend you know four or five hundred dollars in a day, but I'd make you know seven thousand, eight thousand dollars. And so I just kept soft scaling that. And mm-hmm. so you know, I ended up so traditional marketing to acquire customers, you could be at thirty percent market ad spend. Um, and so that's I took on that same approach. I did uh, top line marketing revenue. We still do this to this date is I'll do 30% market ad spend for customer acquisition. So for instance, if I'm going to make a hundred thousand dollars in a day, it's going to cost me roughly $30,000 to make that happen. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. we do that because, and then we also have multiple selling channels for marketing streams. So we don't depend just on one channel. You know, if you, if you're sole dependent on just Facebook, you're, you're running your business the wrong way. Uh, you got it's thirty thousand, and, and it's thirty thousand in terms of the the cost of acquiring that customer. But and let's just say it translates to a hundred thousand in sales, as you said. But that's that's an immediate income. That's once you acquire that customer, their second, their third, their fourth, or tenth order. That's that's all gravy. Yes, absolutely. LTV is is one hundred percent there, and that's why we're also launching a few other brands to stretch that LTV even further. So we have but, almost and, half a million followers or a half a million customers right now. Uh, my goal by the end of this year is actually to have over a million customers, mm-hmm. um, and we're mm-hmm. going to stretch that LTV by selling them also candles. So it's going to be Redline Candle Co., and then we're also launching a canvas company, which is called Redline Canvas. And then first quarter of next year, we're launching our wood company called Redline Wood. All right, slow down, so we're gonna have Slow down, yep. slow down, slow down. <laughs> like you're not on the firing line, dude. It's okay. Slow down. And hold you on, have time on. to be on the show with us. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so... Uh, all right, so hold on. So back up for a second. So right now, yeah. earlier on, you said uh, that you're doing about 30 this year. Yes. Uh, you've got 60 employees uh, at this juncture. So from a metric perspective, is that generally where, in your mind, in your books, in your planning, are you thinking about getting to a half million dollars in revenue per employee? Uh, I mean, we. I, I couldn't. I have no clue. Um I mean, we just hire as needed okay. and I'm all about just bringing people on, you know, if I'll create roles, if it's a good fit. Mm-hmm. So if somebody brings something valuable to the table. We do very untraditional, um, approaches when it comes to hiring new employees. We'll do kind of hiring boards mm-hmm. and we'll let people know that, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for these specific roles, but if you bring something else to the table, uh, say, you know, I've, I've brought on creative directors and guys that are phenomenal, you know, graphics design and video production and and things that they they didn't initially come in looking for that because that wasn't a part of the job description. Mm -hmm. But I asked them, you know, I put it out to the entire group and I just start hiring based Mm -hmm. on what value they can provide. So and let's talk about this expansion then. So how I mean, first of all, candles would be the last thing I would think you would be doing. But I guess it's why is that? Well, Because when you think about you, right, yeah, and, yeah. you know, your, your presence and your physique and then steel, you know, like heart, you know, like that. And like candles are 
for the ladies. Okay, so it's, a kind of, it's a consumable, no, though. It's no. a, and that's perfect. So, so women follow me. I was going to exactly. say, right? Steve, so women think... follow me, but also the home decor items that we sell, about 80% of our consumers are women between the ages of 35 and 65 plus, because that's who we're geofencing. That's who we're targeting specifically through Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Google. Mm. That's Those are the consumers that are spending a lot of money online. And that's who we're targeting. So anytime I'm opening I'm, a, a sister brand company, it's going to be towards that core targeted mm-hmm. audience. So I'm going to I'm going to crush it with candles. Yeah. I'm going to crush it with everything else that I touch because I know my core audience. Yeah, Mary just passed me a note and she said she's got her she, she's <laughs> got your ad campaign lined up here. It's, it's you with a candle pouring candle wax. Is it wax. Candle wax? Is that what yeah, it was? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's yeah. really it all. It's just a shirtless no. Colin Wayne pouring the candle wax, <laughs> and here's my candle. 20 steps ahead of you, Steve. Well, plus, plus, it's a consumable, right? The candle burns yes. out. Women and love you can order another one. And travel candles. Subscription model as well. So we're going to do a seasonal sure. subscription. So every quarter, you're going to receive a, either, you know, it could be a summer scent, then a fall scent, a Christmas scent, and you're going to get, you know, six different candles that have all the scents in it. Or you can pick your own mm-hmm. scents, and every quarter, you're going to receive it. So that's going to be a subscription model that we're going to base and that's you know so that's that's on a next level and, and i just and i just want to understand this though from an operational perspective how do you how do you do this so do you do you self-finance this are you acquiring companies are you how are you going into different product lines yeah so it's everything is self-financed uh, our cost of goods sold is so minimal that we can have high profits to continue to flip and scale the business so it's um it's it's been a blessing where we don't have to take on investors. We've been approached by VCs and a lot of people that want to invest with our company because they see where we're taking it. But um, I've got really I, so the vision for this company is to be a billion dollar company within the next five to seven years, and so I firmly believe that that's going to happen. But um, we haven't, you know, we're cash flow positive and uh, just continuing to scale. But help me with the how. I, I want to understand the how. Do you do you go and find these companies, these manufacturers? Like how are you moving it. into these different product lines? I make it. We're, we'll be the manufacturer. So you will. So in this hundred and ten thousand square foot warehouse, you will bring in machinery mm-hmm. to create these candles, to create the other home decor, et cetera. Correct. Uh. Half and half, yes. Uh, so with Redline Steel, we'll manufacture it all. Redline Wood will manufacture it all. I'm outsourcing uh, canvas and I'm outsourcing candles. Mm. Um, so those two we're going to outsource uh, from the supply chain so that I can focus on what I'm really good at, and that's um, sales and marketing. Now, I put I'm, because if I put my name behind something, that's a big deal, and so I'm very specific on that. And Redline customers, those are my babies, so... I put strict accountability purposes in there. So I've got a clause where uh, any order that exceeds five business days, I'm taxing them $2 per day per uh, per order. Mm. And so it's it's a strict accountability purpose because we can't have exceeded backlog. And there's no, you know, they'll just have to continue to scale and grow as we're growing as well. Yeah. But these are businesses that have been around for, uh, you know, 10 to 15 years. So, so they know what they're doing. They know what they're getting involved with. Um, we just negotiated deals that, that, um, that are going to be, uh, basically stretching that lifetime value of the customers Mm -hmm. that come in from our prospecting campaigns and letting them know that, that we are offering other services other than just steel. Yeah. 
So you're white, you're white labeling these, so to speak. Yes, yeah. absolutely. For, for candles and canvas, yes. Yeah. Uh, for wood, we'll manufacture internally, but still everything's made in the United States and it's still veteran owned and operated. So from a branding perspective, there's not a lot of things that change. Yeah, Richie, I think you had about 38 questions before you were so yeah, really interrupted by this guy. Sorry. Well, it's all right. It makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm an e-commerce con, and, and I'm looking at your Instagram feed, and are you even taking advantage of shoppable links yet? Like, you're making all this money, and, like, you have this huge following, and it doesn't even look, unless I just haven't scrolled enough to see them, are you even taking advantage of that yet? We do. We do. I do. I spend... $400,000 plus per month with Facebook and Instagram alone. Um, and we do primarily. So let me ask you this. It's organic reach across Instagram and Facebook is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. We should probably actively be engaged a little bit more than where we're at right now. But I can pinpoint target at a fraction of the cost and I'm going to see a higher yielded return than to just post and expect you know, a high payout. So if I could do, you know, you know, build 40, 50 different campaigns within Facebook and Instagram, and then, you know, out of those campaigns, I've got 10 to 20 different ad sets and then different campaign levels of each one on who I'm targeting. I mean, it's, we have probably 800 plus campaigns running on Facebook and Instagram as we speak uh, on top of retargeting campaigns Mm -hmm. and then cross sales and bump sales and then segmentation. So when you do X, this happens, and not right. only on Instagram or Facebook, but across a lot of different platforms from your cell phone text notifications, Facebook Messenger, uh, desktop notifications. I mean, it's it's a wide array. So I got I got to slow you down here for a second, right? So you're you're at the point of what, by all definitions, would be a, a sophisticated marketer for for those who are really just trying to figure out, you know, how to start and potentially scale a bit in terms of what they're doing. Uh, how, just take us back through the days where it wasn't, you know, Colin Wayne uh, International. Like, right, were you doing uh, this, uh, the marketing through social media yourself, or did you immediately hire uh, an agency because you knew the importance of, of social, I'm just trying to understand exactly what you did when you were starting out and, and how you went about that. So November, uh, remember I told you, I, in November of 2016, I started to, to do Facebook ads and started to do that for the first time. Yes. Um, I did that for from November of 2016 to April of this, or I'm sorry, of March of this year. So everything up until March of 2018, I did 100% myself. And that's, that's, not just Facebook, but that's email segmentation. Uh, that's also Google. That's YouTube. That's all the retargeting campaigns that I did with just me. And this is so. This so, is all self-taught. Then this is just you, one hundred percent self-taught. You just going in, trying to figure out exactly how to. Because you had, I assume, from a content perspective, and don't take this the wrong way, because if I were you, I would be doing the same thing. But I would assume, from a content perspective, a lot of that was you posting pictures of yourself from your your modeling days and your current days and, and, you know, with your family and this, that, and the other, and, of course, mixing in some products and so on and so forth. So um, that's how you started to to build your following. Is that correct? Back in 2013, yes. It was more modeling stuff. Okay. Um, And then I started to mix in a lot of – I think people engage a lot more when it's authentic or organic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started to do – uh, more live streams. I was very active 
with live streaming on Facebook when that came out several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, people used to, I mean, they, they started to connect with me on a personal level outside of just a respect for a nice physique. Yeah. Um, and so what were you, what were you sharing then? Were you sharing business strategies? Were you nope. sharing fitness strategies? What were you, I'm just trying to figure out what you, what you were then doing with, with social. Yeah. Yeah. Very fitness related, uh, but personal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where I'm traveling the next expo meet and greets, I would put on specific meet and greets for myself. I, I, uh, I've been on over like 40 book covers. So sometimes I'd, I'd work with different authors on events as well. And, mm-hmm. uh, more, more fitness related and just modeling related. Uh, and then I started to transition in, in late 2015 into wanting to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I wanted to take a step back from fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so to, so to play this out, I mean, your vision, as you said, is to create a billion dollar brand it's going to be uh, what under colin wayne under redline steel like what what is the actual brand so it's it's got nothing to do with me personally it's all branded to redline steel it's owned by my uh corporation Mm -hmm. which is uh wayne enterprises colin wayne enterprise (laughs) of course it is what else but it's that's (laughs) but i want i want to paint the picture that this is not like at this point it's not me organically posting on my personal Instagram, Facebook pages. So the 7 million followers I have across social media, I don't actively use that to push sales and to drive revenue. So it doesn't like now it's me getting in front of a camera and those video ads that I'm doing, I'm creating video ad campaigns. And so it has, I mean, the credibility of who I am that could go, you know, it, it, it can pave away a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm not, if you go like, go to my Instagram at Colin Wayne one, you're not going to see me with a picture of my products and go here, buy this product, you know, and, and save 10% off by using this code that mm-hmm. does not work. You don't need to do that. But like, man, I, I'll post an organic picture, uh, and maybe tag Redline steel in it. Like, Oh, we, we bought, you know, two new lasers within the last 60 days. I've spent over, you know, $1.5 million. Now we have lasers coming in. So if you look at my Instagram story today, you'll see that two new lasers are being transported into my new 110,000 square foot warehouse. Mm-hmm. So you'll see more of an organic growth campaign of like, Hey, this is what we're doing. We're, 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 you know, I'm taking something from concept to reality. We're building this up and, you know, it's inspiring a lot of people. I get, you know, thousands of messages in regards to trying to step out and do their own thing. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, I, I, I'm not selling a product. I'm more selling the brand in its entirety. Yeah. So it's my, personal pages it's you won't see me saying buy this save 10 percent off use this code that's mm-hmm. that's not what we do so if we go back then to this whole sort of scaling period if you will was there was there a key hire who took you out of this onesie twosie type purchase order uh i'm just trying to understand you know because again there's only one you so at some yeah. point you had to bring in someone who really helped you to scale this, or is this just something uh, that happened organically and you just brought in bodies as needed? I'm just trying to understand because yeah. getting to a million dollars is one thing, uh, getting to ten million dollars and beyond is is, is a whole other uh, ball of wax. So I'm just really trying to understand what what do you think was the mm, sort of that turning point, if you will. Uh, as far as scaling the business goes, 
Yeah, so I think um, Mar- my, I think it's got a lot of it without sanding, dude, I'm a super humble guy, but like I, I started to figure out my sweet spot. I've started to figure out marketing and I started to get really, really, really good at what I do. And so it became an issue with supply chain management where we couldn't keep up with the orders that were coming inside of the door. Um, it was also, I started to learn about ClickFunnels, which is another landing page platform. I used it. I was like their 18th person to ever receive a eight figure club for doing over $10 million through their platform. Mm. Um, and so I started to use it for acquiring prospecting new customers. And so I would do what they call a fishbowl strategy. So I would only show one particular product and I would do a sense of urgency. So some type of countdown timer. And then I'd also do a perceived value that's two to three times the value of what you're getting. So, you know, if traditional, like if you look across the board, e-commerce conversion rates are 2%. If you're above 2%, then you're doing good. You're above average. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got conversion rates over 25% on my landing pages. So I've gotten a lot better at prospecting and then trying to figure out what is the life cycle of the customers. And so what we're running into is kind of caps, ceilings of customers that have ordered, you know, eight, 10 different times and they love what, love what we're doing. And we've became like a massive, you know, they, they keep buying from us. But the problem is, is you know, not everybody wants to have 15 to 20 different pieces of steel wall art on their wall, right? Mm-hmm. And so what, what what we have to do is we have to break past just steel and launch these other entities so that we can take these diehard Redline fans and now they can have candles every month and now they can get, you know, a canvas piece instead of it just being, you know, they bought you know, four or five times and just a holiday for gifts. Mm-hmm. We want to be so much bigger than that. So that's so, why we're opening these other brands. And then, so basically, you're bringing on these other SKUs. You're using those same ad sets you've built out to to target those same ad sets. Do you not, not, not necessarily ad sets, but targeted audiences? Got it. So whether it's yeah, whether it's a lookalike audience or whether it's a you've engaged with us on social media or whether you've watched a video more than ten seconds, or maybe you added something to your cart and you didn't complete your purchase, or maybe you viewed something on our website, didn't complete a purchase, or maybe you are an existing customer. Um, there's, there's, you know, hundreds of different targeted audiences that, that we can bring in from Facebook. That's very valuable. And then when you go to retarget it, it's a fraction of the cost. Mm -hmm. It's, it's so minimal versus prospecting new clients because you already own the data. So that pixel is yours. So now I can use that instead of 30% market ad spend for customer acquisition, I'll be able to stretch that to, to maybe 15% and heavily monetize through retargeting. And then do you use like a Clavio or some sort of really good? I do. Yeah, I use Clavio and it, and it works pretty well. Um, I know there's some other platforms out there, but we use Clavio and that uh, email marketing is really big with what we do. We have uh, close to 750,000 emails now. Um, and we, that's, that's generally about 30% of our revenue is from email marketing. Wow. So 750, so let's, let's run through that. So 750,000 people on your email list today. Yes. And are they opting in for something or is that the number of customers? So almost half a million customers and then some are opt-ins through our newsletter. Wow. Yeah, that's um, that's crazy. So from a newsletter perspective, it's just simply a monthly update on things that are going on. That's what they're opting in for. They get discounts or promotions or something Correct. of that nature. Yes, yeah. correct. 
So what's your vision on this? I mean, I know you want to take it to a billion dollars, but do you do you have an exit strategy or are you just thinking, man, this, you know, the, the margins are pretty good. And, and actually just can you answer that on on average uh, yeah. this year? What what are you looking at from a, a margin perspective and, and what do you personally what, what do you think you will personally see out of these various businesses this year in 2018? So, um that's a great question. So a lot of our capital is being repurposed or repositioned uh, to buying new equipment so that we continue to scale. I look at 2018 and, and probably 2019 as a massive year of growth. Um, but once we get into 2020, I'd say that's heavy years of profit. Um, so I define cost of goods sold as my tangible item with steel. So let's say it's the cost of the raw material, consumable estimated labor cost, and then the uh, powder coat usage. And so we're, we're less than 12% cost of goods mm. uh, just when it comes to that. Now, our marketing attribution cost is about a 3x than what our cost of goods sold is. Um, and then you also have shipping cost and then fixed overhead. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's once we get past the point, of, you know, we have, you know, a couple million customers underneath our umbrella, which we're growing extremely fast, 15% or so month over month. Um, it's going to come to a point where it's massive years of profit. We don't need to buy more equipment because we have more than enough to keep up with the orders that are coming in the door. And, you know, it'll be a, a very high EBITDA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it will you know, be a massive buyout for us. Um, I do think that there will be an exit, I think probably seven to 10 years from now. Um, I, right now, I just, I, I've got a big love for entrepreneurship and what we're growing and what we're scaling it into. Redline's my baby, and I've got two kids, but Redline's my baby too, so it's really a third. Um, but the vision, what I would love to do in the next five years is to, to buy 250 to 300 acres, build my own like military city, and, and have it where I've got my own, um, I've got my own gym, I've got my own like barracks where mm-hmm. people can actually live. And I want to kind of rehabilitate. I want to give back to a degree of, you know, there's a lot of veterans out there that are transitioning out of the military. They have nowhere to go. Uh, there's a lot of uh, homeless veterans that need yeah. a second chance. Now, I mean, there would definitely be criteria that they need to meet. They would have to be drug tested. They'd be, you know, have have, have screenings in order to be there. But I could rehabilitate them. I'd and love for them to employ them too. Right? Employ I mean, them yeah. absolutely, and that's the point of it. Yeah, right. They come and work for me. I'm not saying I'm going to pay him a ton of money, like, yeah. but I'll give you a place to live. I'll give you some food. I'm going to, you know, we'll have uh, basically what they call in the military, an MWR where you can go in uh, once you're off. You know, I, have a, I have a theater room, pool tables and, mm-hmm. and something to relax and enjoy yourself. And so, you know, if it could help, you know, hundreds of people and give them a second chance, then, then I'm all about that. So I think that that could be a big calling for me. Yeah, um, it's trying to be an advocate of that. So love that. And, uh, and knowing you, you'll obviously, you're, there's, there's no doubt you're going to bring that to fruition. Let me just ask you a question. I mean, this is something I'm sure that you don't talk about much. Um, I mean, you're a big, strong dude, obviously confident military background, the whole nine, but what, uh, what, what scares you at this point, man? Um, what scares me the most is this not working. I'm all in. I'm an all in kind of guy. Jump in with both feet and hope you swim. I've, it's not about just me. I've got close to 60 employees now. It's their families too. A lot of you know we got probably out of those 
10 people that have kids plus a lot of them are younger, but I think that that scares me the most. And that's what makes me work, you know, six to seven days a week is that I cannot let this fail. Mm -hmm. Not only, I mean, I've got my house tied to one of the, to, to a loan. I've got, uh, I just have a lot that's riding on this. And so that, that positions me where I can't let it fail. Mm -hmm. And I'm too stubborn by nature to even, you know, take a break and, and even consider it. So yeah. I know we've, we've done well to this point, but we're not here to celebrate we're, we, we have a bigger vision. Yeah. Nice. Well, look, man, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you jump here. And I know you got a, about a million different things going on, but any final words of advice for somebody who's looking to start or scale or potentially yeah. exit a business? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, my, my biggest advice is, uh, for anybody wanting to get started is to execute. Um, you know, I had zero experience or background in manufacturing. I did not let that stop me. I saw opportunity. I believed in myself and I believed in my abilities to move forward. And so my advice is to execute. Do not put it off for another couple of years. Don't say when I finish my business degree, I'm going to go and, and I can go ahead and start my business then because there's something else that will pop up, but you need the mindset to, to execute and, and also to believe in yourself a hundred percent. Uh, but I think there's too many people that, that, that keep pr procrastinating and pushing it back. And, you know, you don't want to regret something or say, you know, when you're 60 years old, man, I wish I would have done that. Or mm -hmm. I hate the way my life's turned out. I'm working for a business. They don't care about me. And I, and I hate being there, but it's I'm providing for my kids and I just have to do that. And so, you know, if, if for anybody listening, like my advice is to jump in with both feet. Like I said, hope I hope to God you can swim. And if you believe in yourself enough, you will. Yeah, man. You'll make it happen. I really, uh, really appreciate you joining us today. If folks want more information about you, obviously we got redlinesteel.com, but uh, any other place that they should be checking you out? Yeah. Um, so my Instagram and Twitter tag is at Colin Wayne one. And then you can look me up on Facebook. I'm the only verified accounts. Um, and then Redline Steel across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is at Redline Steel. Yeah, man. Well, look, really appreciate your service, really appreciate your candor, and uh, just really appreciate you sharing as much as you shared here on Beyond Eight Figures. And we know that this will definitely help uh, folks who are looking to start or, or scale or exit their business, man. So, again, Callaway, thank you for being here, man, and uh, just wish you nothing but the best. Absolutely, man. It was an honor. Thanks again. All right, thank brother. You. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jiminy, okay, right? Sure. My Lord. So, again, what again, are we doing right with, are we our doing lives? with our lives? <laughs> it's <laughs> funny. And, and I will say this. I mean, it is really interesting to see how far uh, he was able to take it. I think what was sort of implied there that uh, he uh, kind of glossed over a little bit, but what uh, I kind of read through the lines on there was uh, a lot of what he has done to date to build and scale that business uh, has was done on the back of ClickFunnels, which is really interesting, you know, because I think a lot of people feel like they've got to go out and build this, you know, hugely complex website and have uh, a million different things going on. And uh, and we are actually going to have Dave Woodward, Dave Woodward join us here uh, on Beyond 8 Figures, who is one of the partners uh, in ClickFunnels. And I've been using ClickFunnels for a number of years. Russell Brunson actually... Uh, I don't want to say released ClickFunnels at Internet Profits Live in 2015, but it was one of the first times that he had publicly uh, been sharing what he was doing there and allowed people to sign hmm. up uh, with ClickFunnels. So if you're looking to start a site uh, and want to get into e-commerce and, uh, and, and do so 
uh, really with just uh, drag and drop technology. Uh, we use ClickFunnels. I'm actually a big fan of it. Uh, you can get a free trial at steveolsher.com slash clicktrial. Not technically a free trial, but the best uh, plan that they have right now. So you can go to steveolsher.com slash clicktrial, and you can open up an account there and start playing around with ClickFunnels uh, on your own. And that's uh, it's a pretty flexible, robust system that uh, Russell Brunson and Dave and the crew have built there. But, man, just unbelievable growth. And you know, you talk about a guy who has a GED. You know, I mean, this is this is not an MBA. This is not a you know, this is not somebody who spent twenty years in corporate and then decided I'm going to go out and I'm going to I'm going to start a business. Yeah, well, to your point though, with GED, high school, like traditional schooling isn't set up to create entrepreneurs. It's mm. set up to create employees employees yeah so he could have been a benefit for him mm-hmm. to not follow that path i mean i'm sure it was yeah and you, he obviously has willpower but yeah you know it's uh i'll say this which is it just goes to to show you that like if you have the drive and if you have uh, a vision and more importantly if you if you really like uh, a product that you're seeing out there and you feel like you could potentially uh, do it better or as you know equally good uh, who's stopping you from doing it right mm-hmm. i mean with with yes he had some following because of his fitness background and yes he had a bit of capital but when you look at how he built his business it was let me go ahead and let me sell something first we also knew his audience Back to even home decor and knowing his audience. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna crush it. He's mm-hmm. gonna yeah. And also, he did it in Huntsville, not California, where right. you can't get the land, get the warehouse, everything. Yeah, so much more regulation. It's a lot more expensive. Yeah, but what what I really love though about the embryonic stages of the business there is the fact that he went out and he sold a product first. Mm-hmm. He sold the product first. He got a big purchase order in hand. And then, and only then, did he go out and start trying, you know, bringing the equipment and, and, and begin to scale. So uh, lots and lots and lots of great lessons there with Colin Wayne. Obviously, check out everything that he's got going on on his social media accounts and redlinesteel.com. And really inspiring story. And, of course, thank you so much to Colin for his service. From Mary Goulet and Richie Ote, I'm Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you next time on Beyond 8 Figures. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to Beyond 8 Figures. Share your thoughts on today's episode and what you'll apply to your business by emailing us at feedback at beyond8figures.com. And if you haven't already done so, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment now to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep scaling.